people of God know that God's in control. I'm not controlling my life. God is controlling because we said, I gave my life to God. I gave my life to the Lord. You don't have to give your life to the devil. He had a head start. We were born with sin. We were born with the sin nature. We were born with the propensity to sin. We were born with an inclination to sin. It's a nature of sin on the inside of us that makes us lie, steal, and cheat. We were born that way. That's why we need to be born again, born again of the Spirit of God. This is Jerry G. Martin, and welcome to our broadcast. It was Jesus who stood up in the synagogue and said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. And that good news was salvation, deliverance, and eternal life. Come and go with us today as we continue to walk in the light of God's Word. We have participated in the fellowship of communion to remember that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came to give his life for us. I want you to know that Jesus came on purpose and for a purpose. He came on purpose and for a purpose. His purpose included us. He came to bring us to himself so that we could then go and bring others to him. I'm just praying that God will, by his spirit, mobilize the people of God to do the work of the Lord. Is that a problem? Oh, okay. Y'all looking at me like, huh? I just came to church. But the reason we come to church is to get prepared to go do the work of the Lord. The work is not coming to church. A lot of us, the work has been coming to church. Lord, I got to get up and go to church. We got to get ourselves together and energize ourselves so we can go to church. That's the work. And then we go home. Well, we went to church and then that's it. But that's not why he came. Jesus did not come so you can go to church. He came so you can be the church and then take the church out to those who don't know him. If we're not careful, we may find ourselves going to church, singing and praying, but still missing what Jesus wants us to do. We can get a vivid picture of his agenda for his life and for us by looking at his first public speaking engagement. And we can find that in the book of Luke chapter 4. The book of Luke chapter 4, Jesus in chapter 4 has just experienced his wilderness temptation. He was out fasting 40 days and 40 nights and the devil, the scripture tells us, he calls him out by name. The devil comes to him to tempt him, to encourage him to respond to the devil's invitation. Satan brought him. Remember that scripture? He says, I know you're hungry. You've been out here for 40 days and you haven't eaten anything. I know you're hungry. I know you're hungry. So if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. If you're the son of God, like you say you are. I want you to show me. And Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. I'm not going to show you anything. 
I know who I am. But he was tempted there. I want to share something with you. Quite often, you're going to experience your greatest battle just before you step out into the plan of God for your life. Jesus hadn't preached yet. He hadn't started his earthly ministry yet. He'd been baptized, and immediately after his baptism, uh, he goes out to the wilderness. The devil tries to, to tempt him and put him up in a corner and put his back against the wall. Jesus passed that test. But before you get out to do what God called you to do, expect the enemy to challenge you. And the fact of the matter is some of you have not gotten started with what God wanted you to do because you're still in the challenge. He's challenged you and you got stuck. He's come out to say, are you really going to try to do something for God? Look at you. And then you know what you did? You looked at you. And you said, I can't do that. That's not me. I don't know if I can do that. You st and you're still looking at you. You've been saved for 20 years and you're still looking at you and you have not done what God has assigned you. You're still looking at all your issues, all the things that you got going on, all your excuses. You got a long list. You've been looking at yourself so long, you got a long list compiled of why you can't do what God wants you to do. That's a test to keep you from moving forward. There are some of you that God want to use in ministry. But the battle you are facing is throwing you off. There are those who are ready to make a commitment to Jesus Christ and allow him to turn your life around. But the battle you are facing is throwing you off. It's still raging. But let's talk about Jesus. He came out of the battle victoriously and he immediately went into ministry. And I, I believe he wants us to do the same thing. Let's come out of that battle where the enemy is calling you out one-on-one and saying, you can't do this, you can't do that. Show me this, show me that. Look at the book of Luke chapter 4, beginning at verse 14. This is after Jesus left the wilderness experience. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And news about him spread throughout the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. And he said this, the Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendants, and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him, and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The first thing I want to point out in verse 13 is that Jesus operated in the power of the Spirit. He says he had the power of the Spirit. And if we're going to be effective... In ministry to others, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. 
let me just say it this way. If we are going to be effective in ministering to others, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told his disciples right before he left, go to Jerusalem and wait in that upper room and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive what? Powers. We're in a place where we have a lot of folks without power. He said, you need power to do this kind of work because this is ministry work and we're going to change lives and it will not be changed without the power of the Holy Spirit working in your life. Paul the apostle said this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. How many of you want to do something uh, significant and effective in the kingdom of God? then you need the power of God operating in your life. Now, this is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And he says that he's operating with the power of the Holy Spirit, working in his life. We can't do anything effectively without the power. We can go in our own strength. We can talk to people till we blew in the face. Nothing may happen in their life unless the power of the Holy Spirit is working through you and in you. That's why the scripture said you can do more than he can ask or think or imagine according to the power that is at work within you. We can't do anything without the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, back in the day, we say the power of the Holy Ghost. We need the Holy Ghost and, am I talking to the church now? We might need to go back to the basics of what we need to get this thing done. You, all you had to do was look at the difference on how the disciples functioned before they were filled with power and after they were filled with power. After Jesus Christ was crucified, Peter was hiding out, James was hiding out, the rest of them was hiding out. They didn't have any power. They were just scared. They didn't know what was going to happen. But after they got filled with the Holy Ghost, Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and preached with power. 3,000 people got saved. The same Peter who was hiding just a few weeks before. He had the power in him. All you have to do is read the book of Acts and you see the power of the Holy Spirit working in the lives of God's people as they went out to reach others. He had the power of the Spirit. Secondly, he had the practice of worshiping with others. The scripture says he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up on the Sabbath day and he went into the synagogue as was his custom. Jesus had a custom of worshiping and fellowshipping with others. And many of us already have that down. We're pretty good at coming and fellowshipping. Some of us are still working on it and others are still driving by every once in a while. But Jesus had the practice of worshiping with others. He went to the church on the Sabbath day. That was a day of worship as was his what? His custom. Luke made it a point to let us know that where we could find Jesus on the Sabbath day. Where can your friends find you on Sunday? They said, light of the world. Will you put that on your social media while you're out there? Just, just post that, would you please? You ought not have no phone calls about this time of day because folks are saying, he ain't going to answer, they in church. They ought not be blowing your phone up. They ought not be texting you right about now because they know you're not going to answer. Why? Because you're where? Nobody ought to be calling you on Sunday morning this time saying, where are you at? Oh, y'all didn't get that. 
Nobody ought to be calling you, asking you this time on Sunday, where you at? Because you ain't here where we normally are. And don't be like people that say, well, you know, I can worship God while I'm going out here fishing on Sunday morning. You can worship God anywhere. I can worship God when I go to the stadium. I can worship God when I'm out here on the golf course in nature. Let me ask you, when you put your golf clubs in the car, what was your intent? It wasn't going to worship God. You didn't say, let me get my golf club so I can go out here and worship God. You say, no, so I can hit this ball. It's a beautiful day. Don't let folks fool you. Jesus said, I am fellowshipping with the people of God and I'm worshiping God. So I thank God for you being here today. So I'm going to talk about the folks that's not here. I'm going to talk about them real bad. I ain't talking about you. You here. I'm going to talk about the ones that's not here. Thirdly, Jesus said, I have an anointing to preach and proclaim the gospel. Everything that Jesus had that I'm going to be mentioning to you is what you and I should have as well. He said this, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Here's Jesus saying, I know why I am here. I am here on purpose. He has anointed me to preach. This word preach just means to proclaim. It doesn't mean he had an anointing to hoop. That passage that we read in, the, in Luke chapter 4, it said Jesus took the scroll, he got up and read the scripture and said he has anointed me to preach and to reach. And then the Bible says he, he said, out. That was a very short presentation. Many of us have to learn how to just get up and say what we need to say and sit down. Y'all said amen on that one, didn't you? You didn't say amen about having power. You didn't say amen about being anointed. You said amen when I said we just need to talk a little bit and sit down. <laughs> but he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me. That word anoint, it means to be smeared upon, to be applied to. The spirit of God was applied upon him. It was already in him, and he was one of the Godhead. But the spirit of God, he said, he has anointed me to preach. Let me tell you something. If you're saved, he has anointed you to do the same thing. This is not the anointing that people talk about in the church. This is not that same anointing. You know, when we say, ooh, they were sure anointed. You know, after you know how to talk and you, and you can uh, move people to praise and to worship. You say, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Look, the praises go up, the blessings come down, come on. You say, ooh, he was anointed. No, he wasn't anointed. He was a good orator. Anointing with the power enables you to do the work. That's that anointing he's talking about. In the book of 1 John, the writer said, you have an anointing on the inside of you. You just don't know it. You have an anointing that's waiting to be awakened so you can do the work of the ministry so he can be effective. God wants to reach other people more than you do, and he has equipped you and has anointed you to do it. All you got to do is flip the switch on and let him work. 
Say, Lord, use me. Come on, somebody say, Lord, use me. If you want him to use you, say, Lord, use me. Use that anointing that's on the inside of me. That's why Jesus said, I will bring all things to your remembrance when you get out and start doing the work. I got everything set up for you. The Holy Spirit on the inside of you will testify about me. He talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit on the inside of us waiting to work. He's just sitting down, reclining right now in the life of most believers because he knows we ain't finna do nothing. But when he recognizes that we are interested in allowing him to move and to touch the lives of others, people who are hurting, people who are lost, people who are blind, people who are oppressed, God says, I want to use you to touch the lives of those people. And if you just go out to do that, watch me work. Here's what Jesus said. I came to preach good news to who? To the poor. I don't care what news you're looking at today. They hardly ever have good news. They don't start with good news. Nobody watched the 6 o'clock news or the 10 o'clock news, and it begins with good news. They don't start with, this is breaking news. Everything is going well. It's breaking news, and you want to see who got shot, who got robbed. They got video now of every kind of little stuff going on. They want to show you the video. I want to show you this robbery. I want to show you somebody getting run over. I want to show you somebody blowing up the gas station. I want to show you this and that and this and that. People need some good news. I could use some good news, couldn't you? People need some good news. You know what the gospel is? Good news. Jesus said, I came to preach good news to the poor. Those who are poor in spirit, those who have been beat down, those who don't seem like they have any hope, those that don't think they can make it. There's, there's good news for you, but they need to hear it. And how can they hear unless someone tell them? If you're here today and you need some good news, I tell you what, there's some good news that the Lord Jesus came and he can fix your life for you. He preached good news. He preached the gospel. I'm just asking the Lord to help me to preach the good news. People don't need to be beat up every time they come into church. They need some good news. There's some good news. There's some joy. There's some hope. There's some change that can happen in your life when you come and give your life to Jesus Christ. That's good news. Good news is a welcome sound to those who are poor and who are stuck in a rut. Good news is a welcome sound to those who are prisoners, both physically and emotionally. He said, I come to set the captives free. Now, I was a captive. I didn't know it. I was a captive. You were a captive to sin. You were a captive. You were bound. You were handcuffed to the devil's plan for your life. But he came and he set you free. Jesus said, I have come to bring good news to the poor and to set the captives free. You got habits you can't break, he can set you free. You got issues you can't get rid of, he can come and set you free from your issues. You got a rut you've been in, he can get you out of that rut. Oh, you're going down in quicksand, he can lift you up out of that quicksand. If you feel like you're about to go under, he says, I got something for that. He says, I can set the captives free. I can loose those that got habits and hang-ups and all kinds of things you've been dealing with. You just haven't told anybody. You just can't break free from it. He says, I can break you free. Talking about break every chain. 
He broke every chain when he died and went down to hell and broke the power of the enemy and death in the lives of people. And he came back up and says, I have the victory. I have the keys to life in my hand. I can do it for you no matter what you're going through. I can do it for you. Don't just sit there and just think you don't have no hope. I have hope for the hopeless. He says, I got good news. And good news is a welcome sound to those who are blind and can't find their way. Uh, he says, I came to give sight to the blind. There's a bunch of folks walking around with their eyes wide open, but they just can't see. They can't see their way. Only thing they can see is what they can think of in their own hearts and their own minds. But the Lord says, I brought you out of darkness into the marvelous light. And while you're in that darkness, you were fumbling around trying to find your way. And you thought you were doing good. But when the light came on, you was found out you was about to go out the window. You didn't even know it. How many of you have been walking around in the dark? You just hit something. You didn't even know it was there. We've been walking around bumping into stuff, stomping your toe, hitting your shin, knocking your knees, knocking stuff over. That's what our lives are like when we walk in the darkness. But he says, I came to bring you into the light of his glory. Peter put it this way, he brought you out of the kingdom of darkness and put you in the kingdom of his dear son, Jesus Christ. If you're still walking in the dark in a dim place, today there is good news for you. You don't have to keep fumbling around in the dark. The Lord has brought the light. Good news is a welcome sound for those who are oppressed. He said, I came to set the oppressed free. And this oppression was not just a physical oppression. This oppression was not just a social oppression where you say, well, I'm, I feel oppressed. Nobody want to help me. The society has got the chips are stacked against me in this society. I can't progress. Somebody's always holding me back. Say, no, I'm not talking about that oppression. I'm talking about a spiritual oppression. I'm talking about a spiritual oppression where you can't see your way through. You have no joy. You have no hope. Your life have no meaning. You don't know where you're going next. You're just going around in circles. You're going motionless all the time, going around on a merry-go-round. And the harder you push, the more you find out you're still in the same place. And people are getting oppressed. More people are committing suicide nowadays than ever because they, they were in a rat race and found out they were just the lead rat. That's all they were. They climbed the top of the ladder of success and found out it was leaning against the wrong wall. And now they just said, what is the meaning of life? The same thing that Solomon said. It's meaningless. It's meaningless without God. It's meaningless. Life is meaningless. And Jesus Christ came to say, I have come to put some meaning in your life. I've come to put some life in your life. Jesus Christ said, I come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. You don't have to go through life without life. I certainly hope that you have enjoyed today's broadcast. This is Jerry G. Martin. Like everyone else, I have been experiencing this tumultuous year. There are things that are going on all over the world and all over our country. We have political upheaval. We have social upheaval. We have medical pandemics. We have economic difficulties. And these things are happening all around us. That seems to be the bad news. The good news is that Jesus Christ has come to bring the gospel of salvation 
to mankind. And he said in the book of Luke chapter 4, this is the acceptable year of the Lord. I want to encourage each of you right now to allow the Lord Jesus Christ to use your life to make a difference in these dark days. The Bible says we are the light of the world and we are the salt of the earth. This is our time to rise up and allow the peace of God, the presence of God, and the power of God to use our lives. I want to take a moment just to invite you to be our guest at the Light of the World. We are at 16161 Old Humble Road, right in the North Houston area. You can go to our website for more information at lowcf.org. Again, that's lowcf.org. I invite you to come and visit the Beacon Bookstores right here on our campus, and we are open to serve you for your books, Bibles, and church supplies. Join me next time as we continue to share the Word of God with you. Now may the Lord our God richly bless you, and we'll be with you again next time.